Okay. I don't know if any of you have had the, I was going to say privilege, but maybe I should say experience of, uh, of working for a small business operation. Uh, when you work for a small company around 20 people or less, uh, you find that you maybe were hired to do one specific job, but as time goes by, you find yourself picking up other responsibilities along the way. Uh, why is that? Well, when, when there are not a lot of you in a, in a small organization like that, sometimes a need will present itself uh, for the first time and someone, someone needs to do it, right? Someone needs to do it. And perhaps a need that wouldn't justify the services of having someone employed full time, but uh, so the company would look for a volunteer. Hey, could you do that for me? Okay, so now I know I've shared this with some of you, but uh, just so you know this as an example, there was once a time when I worked for the company that produced the animated series VeggieTales, okay? And uh, can I see a show of hands, those, those of you familiar with VeggieTales? Like, oh yeah, look at all those folks. Everyone knows about VeggieTales, Larry the Cucumber, hello, right? Okay. <laughs> Well, I was hired uh, to work in their, one of their marketing roles, and, and many of you might be surprised by this, but I worked for, uh, for them during a period of their time when, when they maybe had about 25 employees. They had different times where sometimes they were much bigger than that, and other times they were much smaller than that, but uh, it was right in that zone where there weren't enough of us, there were enough of us to do just the day-to-day -day, uh, stuff, but once in a while, something, something would come up. Okay, there was one time in particular that the people that ran the Dove Awards, that's a Christian music award uh, show, wanted to have Larry the Cucumber present one of the awards. That would entail a person, someone, right, dressing up in this giant blow-up costume and making an appearance on the show, yes. Uh, it might surprise you to know that they didn't have a full-time person that would do that. And so they're like, hey, let's ask the new guy. It just so happens that I, I was the new guy, okay? It was great fun. And then just a few weeks after that, this is actually my claim to fame of working at, uh, at VeggieTales. Uh, I, I, they needed someone to fly to New York to wear the costume for a segment on the Today Show with Al Roker, right? A national TV, no big deal. I had my own green room. In it. Well, Larry the Cucumber had his own green room. Green room, get it? Uh, and the door was even labeled Mr. Cucumber. It was quite the experience. Now, that wasn't part of my job description. That was not part of my job description. But again, when you work for a small operation, sometimes you wear a lot of different hats or, as the case may be, blow up outfits. In fact, there are a few times when I was dragged into the recording studio to voice uh, one of the extra characters. So from time to time, I had small bit uh, speaking parts. One time, I played the part of a duck. <laughs> Yes, on an animated series of talking vegetables, I got to play a duck. Okay, uh, I digress. But the point being, I was hired to do something to run their website and online initiatives, but uh, I found myself wearing other hats. Actor, singer, TV star. I, I got to do, I have to do some big things. When we, when we talk about um, Jesus, we speak of him as the son of God, right? But we also speak of him as the son of man. Okay, he played both roles. Okay, if I can say that, but unlike me, uh, when I wasn't a vegetable extraordinaire, I was, I was just a guy behind a desk, right? I was a guy behind a desk staring at the screen on, on a computer. And when I wasn't doing one thing, uh, I, I, I was doing another, okay? I never once, I never once worked on a website while wearing the cucumber attire. Never once did I do that. I had distinct roles. I would stop doing this one and start doing that one, okay? Jesus, on the other hand, Jesus, on the other hand, is the Son of God. And then, at one point in time, space, history, he, he became man, God incarnate, okay? And this forms the basis of our, our one thing question for today, which is, how is it, how is it that Jesus, the Son of God, 
became a man. Okay, and other things we may want to, to tack onto this as subsets of this overarching question. Did he stop being the son of God when he became man? Did he stop being God when he became man? Was he, was he a real man or did he just look like a man? Was he really fully man or was he more like half God and half man? Okay, these are some of the things that we'll explore today under the broader question, which the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks like this. This is question 22. And it says, how did Christ, being the Son of God, become man? Okay, how, how did this miracle happen? Okay, in fact, let me ask the question another way. Remember several weeks back when we asked the question, what is God? For those of you that weren't with, with us, uh, we have that recorded. Uh, you can go back and listen to it. Well, it's, it's excellent. <laughs> if I miss it. Uh, it, It's on YouTube and everything. I've, I think I've got seven views on it, but... Uh, uh, but anyway, before we answer that question, let's, let's be reminded of what the answer to that, that question is. What is God? Okay. The answer to that question is God is spirit. And, and listen, these are the attributes I want you to hone in on. Okay. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And his being wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Okay. That is our answer. And without rehashing that whole lesson, we made a distinction between God's communicable attributes and his incommunicable attributes. Which of these attributes here would we characterize as uh, as God's incommunicable attributes, those attributes which he does not share with humankind? What are his incommunicable attributes? Is uh, infinite? Is Is mankind infinite? No, we are not. Are we eternal? No, we are not. Are we unchangeable? No, we, we change all the time, right? Th- those, those three in particular, those three attributes in particular, are not communicable to humans, okay? Only God is those things. Only God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, okay? So do you, do you see where I'm going with this? Someone's screaming outside. I don't know if you can hear that. They're terrified about what we're talking about. So only those three attributes. Uh, we, we readily acknowledge that Jesus is... is is not just a uh, God's offspring. We don't acknowledge that. We say that Jesus is, is very God of very God. He is God, okay? Fully God. He is infinite, eternal, and unchanging. So this is at the heart of what's at our question. How, how did God, how did Christ, being the Son of God, who is infinite, eternal, and unchanging, become a man? How did, how did we do that, Okay. You see the tension that the question is setting up for us. Have you ever opened up a a can of uh, soda that's been vigorously shaken? What happens when you open up that can of soda? Yesterday? You did it yesterday? (laughs) Testimony. Would it have sugar in it and everything? Oh, it goes everywhere. It goes everywhere. Uh, And and, uh, what if after doing that, did someone say to you, hey, Janine, would you mind putting that soda back into the the (laughs) container? Could you do that for us? No, you can't do that. Because where did it go? It's everywhere, right? It can't be, it can't be, you can't... um, it, it's, it, that's the nature of this question. How do you get that which cannot be contained into a container? All right, that's what we're asking here. Well, we, we've talked about the question long enough. Let's, let's look at the answer. Here's, here's how the shorter catechism answers the question, okay? It goes like this. Christ, the Son of God, became man by taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and born of her yet without sin. Now, there's a lot there. 
All right, there's a lot there. Remember, this is a children's answer. As, I, as much as I always hope to give you a nice, tight, simple answer, the, sometimes the, uh, the shorter catechism doesn't comply with me, but uh, it's a mouthful, isn't it? Now, instead of breaking the answer down phrase by phrase, like we've done in weeks past, we're going to try and understand it holistically, okay? In other words, if we look at the bigger picture, the bigger picture here, uh, we hope to understand what each of these parts mean individually, okay? The first thing we should try and understand is something the Westminster divines were intentionally wanting to address in all this, and it has to do with a Virgin Mary, okay? Uh, she makes a, an appearance in this, in this answer here, the Virgin Mary. Uh, there were certain corrections they wanted to make uh, in reference to her role in all of this, and maybe you know this, perhaps you don't. Do you know what, do you know what sets the Catholic Church apart from the Protestant Church in reference to the Virgin Mary? What does the Catholic Church believe about the Virgin Mary that we don't confess as, as Protestants? Anyone want to throw an answer out there? There's a couple of things, actually that she was without sin too, okay? The first, that's the first thing we want to, first thing we might want to mention is about the virgin birth. And generally speaking, Catholics might emphasize the special emphasis on the word virgin, because what they do is it's not just that she knew not a man, if I can say that, uh, it's that she was sinless, okay? That Mary was sinless. And so Catholics might elevate Mary, making special note of who she is, whereas Christians, or excuse me, Protestants might make note of, of the birth of Christ itself, the incarnation itself, okay? So they might put an emphasis on virgin. We might put an emphasis on birth over the fact that the fact that we have God incarnate, okay? Now, again, just like you just said a moment ago, it's, it wasn't enough for, for the church at the time uh, for them to say that Mary had known not a man, but, but they took it further than that. When they refer to the immaculate conception, the immaculate conception, that phrase is not in reference to Jesus, does that catch some of you off guard? The Immaculate Conception is not in reference to Jesus, okay? Uh, when, they, when, uh, when they say that, it is in reference to how Mary was conceived, okay? They believe that Mary was born without sin, that she was conceived immaculately. Why did they say that? Just a quick show of hands. How many of you, if, uh, if you were wanting a drink and you were thirsty, okay, um, not terribly parched. You could wait if you had to, but you'd like some, some uh, refreshment now. Uh, so you go to the sink and you see in the sink that there's a coffee mug there. And in the, in, the, in the bottom of that coffee mug is a pool of coffee. You don't know whose coffee mug it is. You just walk down the, the, probably right there in the kitchen right next door. How many of you would take that, fill it up with water, and then just start chugging away? Would any of you do that? Anybody, anybody, no one, no one would do that. That's a surprise, right? It's dirty, right? You don't want to do that. It's dirty. You're, yeah, you're not that thirsty, right? <laughs> you're not that thirsty. You can't wait until you find a clean vessel, right, from which to drink. Am I right? So you see, in the time leading up to the Reformation, the Catholic Church or the church, they felt, they felt the same way, that Jesus, who we need to be sinless, we need Jesus to be sinless, right, uh, couldn't have been born by a woman who had sin. That was their struggle. That sin would be then passed along to Jesus. So, so the church at the time, Catholic church, they began to insist that Mary, that it was Mary who was sinless. And this was, this was the only way that she could give birth to a sinless Jesus. She had to be sinless herself. Okay. But do you see how quickly this can unravel? This can unravel rather quickly. You know, what about Mary's parents, you know, right? Were they sinless, okay? And if not, how is that Mary was sinless? Well, that's the miracle of it all, right? They would tell you it's an immaculate conception. 
But even beyond that, listen to this. This is what Jesus said himself in this discussion with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 6. Oh, uh, it says this. That, John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, if Mary is human, that means she would have been born the same way that every other human in the history of the world has been born. And if that's the case, then she was born with a sinful nature. Psalm 51, 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in in sin did my mother conceive me. Okay. David, this is King David telling us this. It's not that, that we were born clean and then we sinned. We're conceived in sin. Okay. Sin because of what happened in the garden. We just talked about that a couple of weeks too, a couple of weeks ago. Adam, Adam's sin was imputed to us. It's almost, I mean, not, I'm not saying genetically, but you might even want to think about it that way. It's, it's in us. It's in us because we are, we are in Adam's line. Adam was our representative and his sin was passed along to us, even from when before we were born. Okay. Somebody tell me where in the Bible we can read that somehow Mary was able to bypass Adam's sin. Again, if she's a human being, she can't. Mary, just like you and me, was a sinner. She was not sinless. And if a Catholic person were in the room right now, they'd be awfully upset that I said that, okay? But if she's in Adam's line, and she was, okay, then she is carrying with her the burden of original sin, all right? Now, having said that, it begs the question, does it not? Where am I going next? If Mary was not able to bypass Adam's sin, how was Jesus? How was Jesus able to do it, right? This is why God, in all his wisdom, ensured us that we had an account of the conception of, of Jesus in our Bibles. We don't have any such record of Mary, right? Not the detail we have of Jesus. God, in all his wisdom, chose to disclose this information to us. This is from Luke 1:35, where it says, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called holy, the Son of God. Do you see what we're being told here? Christ was not born with a sinful nature because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Instead of receiving sin imputed to him from Adam, God, in effect, bypassed it by not using Adam's seed. Okay? And that's why we can say, unlike Mary, that Jesus was not conceived in sin. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. It, it, uh, it wasn't that there wasn't any holiness. Uh, it wasn't that there, there was any holiness or virtue in Mary, but, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit that gave us a new seed, a sinless seed. And so when you think about it, every human that has ever existed, has ever walked the, the face of the planet, had Adam's seed imputed to him with the exception of Jesus. Jesus didn't receive Adam's seed. He received the, the conception of the Holy Spirit, okay? In other words, it's not the process. You know, a lot of people think, well, it, it, Jesus couldn't have been uh, born in a, a vessel that had sin in it because of, of all the process that goes into procreation and that in and of itself is, is sinful. No, okay? It's not the process that infects us with sin. It's the product itself. <laughs> it's the product itself that would have been infected with sin because uh, it was carried, um, it was carried uh, uh, by a sinful being, okay? It's not just the process that's flawed. It's, the pro- it's, not, excuse me, it's not the process that's flawed. It's the product itself. The problem is humans are infected with sin. All of us are in Adam's line, all of us. And Jesus was the first being that was born in this world that wasn't conceived in Adam's line, thereby bypassing original sin. Does that make sense? Does everyone get that? Okay. 
Any questions on that much so far? Crystal clear? Okay. All right, good, good. Let's keep going. Now, here's the other part that we need to consider. Why then, why then did Jesus have to be born of Mary? Why didn't God just make Jesus to be a human-like being without a human father or mother? Okay, why wouldn't that have worked? Why would, why would it have to be a human mother? You want to render a guess on that one? Why did it have to be Mary, human Mary, human, even sinful Mary? Because he's coming to rescue humans. You putting it together there? I have an illustration for you. It was several years ago that my wife was eager to buy a specific pair uh, and brand of boots. They were these Ugg boots. Are you familiar with these, these type of boots? Okay. Uh, they were just coming on the scene and they were still, they're still very popular today, but she wanted a pair of these boots, but they were very expensive. Okay. So knowing that she wanted a pair, I, I, uh, I went out to see if I could surprise her and uh, with these pair of boots for her birthday, or it might've been Christmas. I can't remember. And then I looked at the price tag and nearly fell out of my chair. Okay. So I thought there's got to be, there's got to be somebody somewhere that's going, that's going to, that has these boots on sale. Someone. Someone has to have these on sale. Someone must have them on clearance somewhere. So I, I go out on my hunt to find her a pair of these boots, and I'm going to be husband of the year when I find these, these boots, okay? I scoured the internet for days and days and looking one side after the other for the exact boot she wanted, the exact right color. Chocolate, I believe, was the color. And finally, after reaching nearly the end of the internet, I found a site that was selling them for a fraction of the price that I was finding them everywhere else. Boy, am I lucky, I thought. <laughs> so I placed my order and I waited my shipping confirmation. And a day or two after I placed my order, I got the shipping confirmation. But something odd about the confirmation is that uh, it's telling me that my shipment is coming from China, which is odd because these boot <laughs> boots are made in Australia. <laughs> China is quite the circuitous route <laughs> for boots from Australia. <laughs> 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 They're Ugg, yeah. Ugg UGH boots instead of UGG, right? Uh, and frankly, I, I know that they, they must have distributors in the U.S., I thought, uh, to fulfill all their orders. Why are their boots coming from all places of Ch as China? Okay. Well, to make a long story short, they came from China because they were fake. <laughs> they were fake Ugg boots, or as our former president would say, fake boots. They looked exactly like them. They looked exactly like the real thing and they even spelled them correctly, okay? To the untrained eye, you would not have been able to tell the difference. Tracy could have worn them and no one would have known the difference. Tracy's eye, however, is not untrained. As soon as they came out of the box, and let me tell you, the box was a great knockoff too. They even imitated the box itself, okay? Uh, they, they, uh, they have a, a very, um, she, as soon as she saw me, those aren't real. <laughs> That's what she said. I said, like, what? The boots have a very specific kind of lining, and she saw they didn't have that lining. So I said, they, 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 look, they look like the real thing. Try them on. And so she did try them on, and then she said they didn't fit. <laughs> right? I think they fit. They didn't fit. She wanted nothing to do with them. She wanted nothing to do with them. They were fakes, all right? They weren't genuine. They weren't the real thing. Their origin affirmed that they weren't the real thing, okay? The worst part about it is I wasn't even able to return them because it was going to cost me just as much to ship them back to China as I paid for them, right? And then I even tried putting them on eBay, and it was, they were removed because they were fake. 
and said, these aren't, these aren't real. We can't sell them. So they look just like the real thing, but they weren't the real thing. Where they came from, how they were made mattered, okay? It made the difference. This is, this is why the confession tells us that Jesus had a true body and a reasonable soul, okay? A true body and a reasonable soul. Uh, when, it, when they say reasonable soul, that means a capacity for, for reasonable discourse and thinking. It means just as we have a body and a soul, so Jesus also had a human soul and a human body. Not one that acted, looked, and believed or behaved like a body and soul, but a real human body of real human origin, okay? And this is why it was essential that Jesus have a real human mother, to have all those human traits and characteristics, a reasonable or a true body and a reasonable soul. Where Jesus came from mattered. Okay, if he was really if he was really to represent us, right? If he was coming to save humanity, if he was really coming to represent us, where Jesus came from mattered. He can only represent humanity if he's actually a real human. Okay, and so Hebrews 2, 17, 18 tells us, do you know this one? Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Very succinctly stated a moment ago, because he's saving humans, right? So he's got to be human, all right? So it was from Mary that Jesus received all his, his uh, humanness, if I, his humanity, if I can say that. And, and it was necessary. So just like Adam, just like Adam represented you, you needed Jesus to represent you as well uh, um, by, the same, by the same metrics there, okay? Uh, and this is why our answer says, let's, let's put it back up here. Christ, the Son of God, became man by taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul, being conceived of the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary and born of her, okay? That's what we've affirmed so far. That's what we've affirmed so far. But there's still one more clause. One more clause we have to consider in our answer. And what is that clause? Let's put it up there. Yet without sin. Okay? Yet without sin. All right. We talk about Jesus being fully God and fully man, uh, or actually fully, yeah, fully God, fully man. And we've just spelled out why it was absolutely necessary for Jesus to be fully man. Okay? He had to be made like us in every respect so that he could perfectly represent us. So that's why it's necessary for him to be fully man. Why is it necessary for him to be fully God? Does anyone want to render a guess? Why is it necessary that we have to affirm the idea that Jesus is fully God, fully man? Why does he need to be fully God? To, to qualify as a perfect sacrifice. And someone else? Restitution for our sins. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, great. What does that mean? Right? Right? Okay. My older son, a few years back, he decided he wanted to save up his money. Got an illustration for you. He wanted to save up his money because he wanted to buy a gas-powered go-kart. And so how did he go about saving up for this? Well, he, he started mowing lawns, right? Uh, not only our lawns, but a couple other lawns in the, in the neighborhood. And uh, he, he charged a fair amount. And, and along with the money they got from his birthday and Christmas and, and money mowing lawns, he, uh, all his income streams, he finally saved up enough to make the purchase. And he bought it. Okay. Now he was so excited to get this motorized device and, and, uh, and, and purchase that he failed to really take into account all of the other expenses that go along with owning a motorized vehicle, right? For instance, if he was going to ride this thing, his mom and I insisted that he wear a helmet, right? You got to wear a helmet. No exceptions. No exceptions. When I was a child, we didn't use helmets. <laughs> 
I don't know why we are, I mean, I know why we use helmets. Now, I, uh, Jerry Seinfeld tells a joke about the idea that the, the, the funny, it's funny that the helmet even exists. Not that we stopped our skull breaking activities, but we invented a device that allows us to continue doing our skull breaking activities. But anyway, we wanted to protect our child's brain. And so we said, you must wear a helmet. What else? The vehicle actually runs on gasoline. You gotta buy gasoline if you wanna make this thing go. You have to put gas in it, okay? That's, that's, the, that's cost that's associated with, uh, with it too. And then once you go beyond that, we found out it doesn't take very long for these tires to wear out. These tires wear out like that. Uh, like I was shocked with how quickly they, they went bad. And guess what? Those tires aren't terribly cheap either. And who's gonna replace, for the, the, who's gonna replace the, the tires? Who's gonna pay for that, right? But guess what? There's still more expense on top of that. Let's just say you want the, the tires themselves. If you want to change them yourself, well, you got to buy some tools to be able to put those tires on right. And so these, these little incremental expenses that just keep adding up on top of the actual price. Now, who was actually going to pay for all those extra things, right? Most of the time it was me. Most of the time it was me. Why? Because I suppose I could have been mean about it, but, but I, I wanted him to enjoy the thing he worked so hard to save up and purchase. But really the expense of owning a go-kart, the expense of owning a go-kart was too great for him to pay on his own. So he had to appeal to the mercies of his father. The son of God was, was shouldering the sin of the world. If you were to put that, that expense on any one of us, we would be crushed by the infinite weight of sin, the infinite weight of God's wrath, okay? If it was an infinite cost that was incurred, what mere mortal could shoulder that infinite cost? What mere mortal could shoulder and conquer the power of death? What mere mortal could satisfy God's justice, earn his favor, purchase pardon for his people, and give his spirit to them, conquer all their enemies, and bring them everlasting salvation? What mere mortal could do that? Right? You see? The cost incurred was too great for any mere mortal to observe, uh, absorb. In other words, succinctly stated, this is what we mean. This is why it had to be fully God. There was a great work to be done, a work so great that none could possibly do it but one who is very God himself. In other words, God himself said, I have to do this myself. Because if I put it on any one of you, you all would be crushed underneath the weight of it. You couldn't handle it. And so... Humanity couldn't handle it, so it had to be God himself. It had to be God himself. Does that make sense? You understand that? Okay, this is why the last clause, yet without sin, is so important. Any mere mortal can't satisfy all the conditions that must be met in order to restore fellowship with God. And this is why we have no other conclusion. We can come to no other conclusion than to say the Son of God, it is absolutely necessary that we say that he's Son of God, fully God, fully man. You know, because again, that's a paradox. That's not, that's not something that we can wrap our minds around. But when we start exploring what, what scripture tells us, it has to be that. It has to be, there's no other conclusion. And yes, it's a mystery that we can't necessarily wrap our minds around sometimes, but it has to be that. It has to be fully God, fully man in order for it to, number one, in order for him to really and truly represent us, fully man, in order for him to, to really save us, it has to be fully God. He has to do it himself, okay? What other comments or questions do you have? Anything else that we might uh, uh, answer or bring up or, or uh, address? Yes, Brent. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, if you look at both genealogies, if you look at it, one gospel gives us uh, um, Joseph's line, another gospel gives us Mary's line, both familial lines are important, okay? And so it was still considered, because again, the, the um, Joseph would have been head of the household, and so it's very important to, to give the burden of proof that of, of where he comes from, okay? And so both David and Mary's line, you can still trace back uh, to that, uh, that Davidic line, okay? So that's, that's the miracle uh, of that too. Someone else? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking, um, I mean, something just kind of came clear to me. The idea that, you know, sometimes we don't sin out loud, but we sin in our heart. You know how the Bible talks about mm -hmm. someone who committed murder. Well, I cannot imagine living 33 years and never looking at a little kid that just took your toy for Jesus and saying, you know, and he never had a, a, an unpure thought. Yeah. Just the thought of, you know, you go to work, oh, I should have made more. I mean, mm -hmm. we always drive to complain. And it just came to me that none of that existed. Never once did he look at Pilate or his Roman soldiers who persecuted him it, or his disciples and go, oh, my gosh, I need to improve about people. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, yeah. the fact that there was just that purity of Jesus life, was sinless. And just, just, just you know, do you know, do you know when it really, really, uh, sort of set in for me just this idea of, of Jesus, the sinless one. Like you're like this was Lucy saying that uh, even even as a child, you know, when when someone swaps his toy or something like that or steals his toy, there was no sin in Jesus. And we have an account in in the scriptures of Jesus as, as the boy in the temple. Okay, and so he he must have been about I, I was account to twelve years old, right? Uh, so he's twelve years old, and he's he's <laughs> he's at the temple, and he's undoubtedly listening. To it. And this is probably this is during the Passover. And I mentioned to you, I think it was last week, how Jesus's mind, because he was sinless, was not clouded by any biases, by anything else that you and I approach the scriptures with. He, when he read the scriptures, when he heard the word of God, he heard it with crystal clarity. And so it blows me away to think of a 12-year-old boy there in the temple listening to the accounts of the, the, the lamb that was to be slaughtered the lamb that was to be sacrificed and him knowing with crystal clarity who they're talking about, what that means and who that's pointing to. And that, that overwhelms me. That overwhelms me. And, and, uh, and that, uh, again, affirming the idea, fully God, fully man, in his reasonable soul, he understood and he grieved. And like any reasonable soul would at the notion of what the Passover lamb meant. And he knew what it meant because he had a, oopsie, I didn't turn that off, because he, he fully understood the scriptures without sin. So, ah, too much, too much. <laughs> Someone. You talk about, and I'm sorry, you talk about, um, or people talk about, you know, God sits on his throne and he just has to speak something into being, or he moves his finger and- He holds tsunami. creation on his- I mean, mm -hmm. so to have that self-control, because if it were on us, we'd say, I'm not doing this cross thing. Yeah. I'm like lashing, I'm done with this, or I'd be like throwing, you know, like mm -hmm. movies, I'd be casting these Roman soldiers four thousand miles away with just the thought of it, and the fact that there's that the idea of that, that self control. Jesus with the self control of the of the reason and the love for us. Tempted in every way, as we read in Hebrew, tempted every way, every way, yet without sin, yet without sin. That's the, that's the remarkable thing. Uh, Becky, you had your hand up. He wanted to. The beautifulness of seeing 
especially as a prophet, like he's strong and mm-hmm. arm of justice and power, but coupled with the beauty of the father who wanted to be the one. Right. He wanted to do it. He did he, for the joy that was set before him. Uh, I, I'll just share with you a little bit of what uh, I was able to share yesterday at the memorial service for for Tom Radcliffe. And I have full credit to Russ Ramsey for for uh, sort of uh, um, helping me out with this. Was the idea that uh, the passage that that we focused on was was Jesus uh, in the boat uh, with the fishermen during the storm, and and what did they ask him? Don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we're dying? Don't you care? And what did he do? Peace be still. Don't miss what's happening in that moment, okay? He just answered our question that yes, of course he cares. He stilled the storm. But more than that, this is, this is, this is the mind-blowing part. He was there in the boat. <laughs> he was there. We, he wasn't far off in a way that they were having to... He was there. He was in the flesh. And, and they could grab his shoulder. They could grab God's shoulders. And shake it and say, don't you care? And what did he do? He answered with an unequivocal, yes, I care. Look, peace be still. And just that in and of itself, he, he cared for the joy that was set before him. He put himself in the stern of our boat. Every one of us. He put himself in the stern of our boat and stilled the storm. Beautiful. Anyone else? Thoughts? Good discussion. I love this room. It's just so much better for, for, uh, for dialogue and conversation. Yeah, and this is this is a uh, Beth is pointing out that uh, it specifically says God is unchanging, uh, and and the specific question is. Uh, is that an element of why he's got to be God too? Yes, and and so yeah, certainly. Okay, he always. This this is a little bit of a, of a controversial thing because what happens is when we we talk about the crucifixion itself, and when people say that uh, that the hell for Jesus was when God turned his face. Okay. Uh, he did that. And that, that, was, that was hell for Jesus. But there was never separation. He never stopped being God. He was never disconnected from the Father. If that happened, the world would stop spinning, okay? So in that respect, yes, God, he, he did not change. He always remained God even to the, the, the very end. Even, even the, God did not die. If God died, again, the world would stop. Okay, so yes, unchanging. And you have to think about the, the incarnation is not that God was changing himself. It was more like addition. He, it's like he, he took on something himself that, that he didn't, he wasn't obliged to take on. He didn't have to take it on, but he did, he did so anyway. And he, and he veiled his flesh, or veiled, uh, veiled with flesh, um, his, his deity, is, as the hymn says. So good comment. Someone else? All right, great discussion. All right, let's... Uh, Let's close in prayer. And again, as always, as always, if you have anything further that you're still struggling with, with as it pertains to, to this that we've discussed or anything else, please let me know. Happy to, to work through those things with you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son and the miracle that it is that we beheld Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. We thank you that he represents us and we thank you that he represents us perfectly. I mean, we thank you that he He paid for uh, our sin as only you could do. Uh, What a miracle that is. Help us to never lose sight of that, never to forget it, and always uh, rejoice over it. Thank you for these things. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right. Good seeing y'all. Thanks, folks, online. We'll see you next time.